Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Overtime, which is our weekly podcast where we get to do a little bit deeper dive into the weekend message. Uh, this is podcast number 70, so we've been at it for a little while. Thanks so much for joining us, whether you're watching us live on Tuesday afternoon when we're doing this. It's February 16th. And we see you on there. There yeah. is there is Thanks several people on us. there. Or if you're catching this afterwards via wherever you get your podcasts, I was going to try and list them, but wherever you get your podcast, thanks for joining us. What we hope is that this is challenging and encouraging to you, uh, that you find it a benefit. So what we usually do is we'll do a kind of a recap and then we'll jump into some questions. We do have a couple questions that we get to. Uh, sorry, let me mute that for you. I got to always do that on my computer. I always forget. But what we usually do is a review and then we'll kind of get into the questions. Thank you for those of you that submitted questions this week. We've got one that's kind of in line with the service, and then one that's just kind of a general question that we'll get to uh, in just a moment. But before we do that, we do want to let you know that we do a weekly vision update. There's a lot of different things that are happening in and around the church. Um, we don't always get to cover the full why we do things. So what we've decided to do, and this was months ago we started this, is to, to do a weekly vision update. And we want to encourage you to check those out. Those are on Thursdays at 8 p.m. You can just go to our website, clcfamily.church. There's a Watch Live tab that you can just click that, and it will pop up there. It's also on Facebook and then uh, YouTube. I think it yep. streams simultaneously. Or you can go back and watch it later at clcfamily.church forward slash vision. Right, I right. Think. Yeah. 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 So you can jump on. There's tons of different ways. So even if you can't catch it live, you do have the option to kind of watch it on demand. Um, so we want to encourage you to do that especially this past week's. So that was on February 11th. I want to make sure that I got the date yeah. right. Check out that vision video. That we have for you. Yeah, it's kind of talking about the, our next initiative, kind of some of the ideas that we have coming up around the idea of discipleship, which we're pretty excited about as we're in, you know, fully in I haven't been this excited about anything in almost three days. <laughs> so we're pretty excited about it's it. Valentine's That's saying Day, a lot. And I really like my wife. That's yeah. all it means. Okay, but, yeah. cool. So, yeah, thanks for joining us. So check out that vid vision video for it was February 11th. Uh, you can catch that clcfamily.church slash vision or go to our media page and there you should be able to see the vision weekly vision update. So that is kind of all the announcements that we have for this week. Um, do you want to kind of jump into a recap? Let us know. Just remind us what we talked about. Yes. And if you haven't been with us, boy, you should go listen to these sermons yeah. because they're going to be really helpful. We've been talking about... A very important word in the church, and it's the F word, faith, and it's pretty, pretty important for us to learn did all you, about. Were you like waiting to use that, or did you? Just no, 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 I wasn't at all. Like, it's sure. a, no, I really wasn't. I actually thought, wait, that's forgiveness. I thought, but no, no faith. So I was like, oh man. But anyway, so it's really you confusing. do realize that everybody did not think of that word I'm just now. Super sad. Sorry, uh, super sad about that. Um, but anyway, so as you think about it, one of the big, big kind of confusing parts is okay. God is God. He's in charge. He sent his son Jesus to save me because I am incapable of saving myself. In fact, the only thing I'm capable of doing is just messing things up more. So what's my part again in all this? Like, okay, if there's like, if it's like a hundred parts Jesus and is it zero parts Josh? No, there's one part for you. Like, well, what, what's your part? What's my part? And it's faith, right? And so we've been looking at multiple weeks is this idea that happiness and blessing actually comes from the most peculiar place it literally seems to begin so many times for us in the middle of pain and sorrow and strife and so some of you are right in the middle of that right now and i'm like oh this is a bad chapter of a really great story 
Because I read the scriptures. It's always, God tells us that there is this joy and peace that's available to us mm -hmm. through Jesus. And it's actually pain and sorrow and strife that makes us finally come to the conclusion that we can't fix things ourselves. And neither there is no hope, which there's hope, or we can place our hope in Jesus. So pain, strife, sorrow is just a doorway where you can keep on walking, right? Right into the middle of happiness and blessing. So mm -hmm. for first four weeks of happy strife, happy life, we just kind of looked at Jesus teaching on that and then the last couple weeks and for two more weeks this week's gonna be so good come 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 this week um we've been looking at real people in human history who applied these uh moments of strife and pain and found great joy in the way that they leveraged it was mm -hmm. through faith and so kind of the working idea is faith is uh, you know um obeying even when your senses tell otherwise tell you otherwise right and, Faith is the key to the kingdom of heaven. So we're looking at this kind of contrasting kingdom of earth, kingdom of heaven, the world that we know, the sadness that we experience, the death that is looming for all of us, and on the other side of that, joy and peace and hope and life and eternal life, life are these two contrasting places. And the way you get from one to the other is through faith. And so last week we look at a Roman centurion who we saw the light bulb switch and he places faith. This one's a little bit more interesting is this lady does very little other than live in pain and sorrow and struggle. And so today, or this past Sunday, we get to really, really look at, okay, what is faith? Where does it begin? All those things. It's kind of a big working plan for the last several weeks is three things to know about faith. One, it all starts with Jesus. It initiates with Jesus. Even faith, even though this is the part we play in, it all starts and initiates and is manufactured and produced in Jesus. He is the one who initiates that with us. He comes and maybe right in a second he's going to start doing that with you, right? If you're considering that to be a possibility, that's him helping you consider it to be a possibility, right? It all starts with Jesus. It doesn't have to be perfect. We're going to see people bumble through it this upcoming week. Really, the greatest person outside of Jesus to ever live, according to Jesus, is going to struggle with doubt. So it doesn't have to be perfect. And then on top of it, it starts with Jesus, doesn't have to be perfect. The big one is. It has nothing to do with your certainty and everything to do with the object that you place your faith in, right? And so that it's not about how certain we are in the kingdom of heaven. It's that we place our faith, even if there is a shroud of uncertainty for us in Jesus. And that's what faith is. It's placing all of our weight, leaning on our understanding into Jesus. And so what we saw happen this week is basically a collision between the kingdom of heaven, kingdom of earth, and death is looming. And Jesus gives us a picture how things look in the kingdom of heaven and he calls a dead boy a teenager to come back to life and then yeah. gives 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 that child back to her uh his mother so got to see all that and see kind of uh this little window this little glimpse of what's in store for all of us where death has no sting and there is no pain and no sorrow and there is eternal life and so we saw a small glimpse of this when the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of earth collide and what fate does with all that yeah, so what I want to do is, it, it was this past Sunday was Valentine's Day, so uh, you kind of jokingly said, hey, we're going to start talking, like, we're going to talk on Valentine's Day about death, right? The yeah, so good. Like, yeah. but I do want to Turn use Turn your that. Bible to First Corinthians 13, <laughs> and then throw it away. <laughs> so I do want to jump into a question that isn't directly related to the message, but does have to do with kind of the idea of death and what happens in that time. This is from one of our, our listeners that says this. Uh, it's not really in line, so oh, yeah, if we want to, uh, we can move forward. But it, Jesus, told oh, we the, want to. It says Jesus told the thief Sorry. on the cross, "Today you will be with me in paradise." We know from First Corinthians 15 that one day we will have resurrected 
glorious, powerful spiritual bodies with which to worship and serve. But what does uh, uh, what goes on as a unbodied spirit in paradise between the time we die and that far off day? Just curious. Great question. I don't know. Let's move on. All I'm right. just joking. No, no, I really don't know. I mean, yeah. that's unfair. Like, and this is where this is where I really want to guard this. I, and I'm on. I'm on to chime in. I have lots of opinions, and I'll be always happy to share my opinion. But one of the things that I do want to make sure, like when you look at, like when people ask Jesus questions, he very rarely, if ever, yeah. answered them, because he liked the tension that those questions created and the curiosity yeah. created, and so. What I would challenge us in, and I, and I will offer you something, because I think there's some things to offer there, that I would just lean into that curiosity, because mm. I just think there's a lot to learn in the in the curiosity. And, I, and honestly, I don't know exactly what happens, but I have some ideas, right? So we have a couple of different things. We have, today you'll be with me in paradise. This is the thief on the cross, which by the way means right. bar set really, really low, right? You know that. <laughs> really, really low. It's just, you. this guy is about to die. He acknowledges Jesus. He uses a very important word, Lord, and Jesus goes, today you'll be with me in be with me in paradise, which implies that both of them are going to be in heaven. Now, it gets really even more confusing because what happens for Jesus next when he dies? Yeah, so the dead uh, come to life, right? Like, so the wait, dead come part? to life. But which yeah, so, uh, not yet, not yet. So okay. what does Jesus do next when he dies? Uh, after he prays, he, he goes, he Where's ascends. He into, descends. Yeah, descends and so ascends. if you do the Apostles' Creed, you think Jesus goes to hell, which is a possibility. Haiti, so yeah. he's going to the world. And then he's going to defeat death. And so there is some understanding, some belief, some suspicion. Again, I don't have all the answers. That perhaps Jesus actually goes and not only defeats death as in the grave. He defeats hell for mm -hmm. himself and conquers it. I don't know. But we know that Jesus is going to come back in on the third day. A couple of days later, right? right? Less than 72 hours later. So we don't even know where he is during that time. Is he no, dead? Yeah, Does he cease to exist? He's there? So now we got that piece of going, where's Jesus? And then on the other side of it, you got this guy who he tells is going to be with him in paradise. Now, yeah. Jesus is about to come back to life and back on the earth. So is he with the guy in paradise or is he with the people on earth? Boom, right? <laughs> so what do you do with that? Now, even more complicated is Paul tells us to be absent with the body yeah. is to be present with the Lord. And then one day he tells us that he will come back, right? And, uh, and the dead in Christ will rise and meet him in the air, right? So there's all sorts of stuff going on about the last days. What does that look like? And So then there's this confusion. That, okay, they're going to meet him. Is Jesus taking them back to heaven? No, I think they're actually going to meet him the same way that like a stranger would go meet someone in the outskirts of town to bring them back. And so mm. this is the probably the establishment of heaven on earth. Really, really beautiful. Mm. This millennium or more like 10,000, like tons of years where... God kind of establishes and rules and reigns on earth, on heaven. And so it's so complicated. What does all this mean? I don't understand it all. And the reason you don't understand it all is you can't understand it all. Your brain, my brain's just not capable of understanding it all. And the best understanding I have, I promise I'm going to get some of that, is Einstein's theory of relativity. Okay? So what he would argue is it's all kind of relative to what we experience, right? Am, am, I, am, I, am I chubby? Well, compared to my wife, I really am, right? Because she is beautiful and fit and all those things. But compared to someone else, maybe I wouldn't be considered that chubby, right? It just depends on who you're standing next to. It's probably the wrong analogy. Is that a lot of food or a little food? Well, it just depends on what plate's right next to it, right? And so, so many things are relative. Is that a fast car? Well, it's, that's a fast car. But compared to that car, it's not a fast car. But compared to that car, it's a really fast car, right? So it's all about relative to what's kind of being compared 
to it, right? So, for us, we had this really, really complicated thing, and I probably, we probably should go another step at some point. <laughs> You're going, I shouldn't have started with I this. I feel one. like I'm going. I'm, yeah, tra okay. I'm tracking. No, it's going to be okay. still tracking. I, I promise. Track with me. So, for us, you got to go, okay, what do we know about time? And what's the purpose of time? Hmm. Well, in the beginning, there was a garden. And there was God. And he existed eternally. And he spoke Adam and Eve into existence. Mm -hmm. How many years were they supposed to be there? How many years did they live? Were they supposed to die? Was there even time? We know there were days and nights, but did, like, did they have birthdays? Hmm. Like, like, what was it? Like, how long were they supposed to be here? Then, 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 sin happens. And when sin happens, what happens next? Death hmm. comes because of sin. So guess what? At that point, at that point of sin, Adam and Eve got an expiration date. Hmm. Which means God gave us time and time limits yeah. and boundaries. Time is not part of God. God is eternal. He steps outside of time. He is. He doesn't exist in a time frame. That's why we can't talk about, okay, when did God get started? He doesn't exist that way. When yeah. will God end? He doesn't exist that way. Time is actually a gift, wrong word, but maybe. I mean, I would say so. Since we have expiration dates, we have stuff to do before the expiration and all that stuff. For humans, because of death. Death brought in time. So mm -hmm. birth to death. Now, it's 80 years before. It was a different amount of years. Whatever that is. People now think we live a really long time relative to how people lived, you know, three, 400 years ago, right? But time is very specific to you and I and humans because of death. So let's think about this. How do you get outside of time? Jesus is outside of time. He doesn't exist in time. And so perhaps the possibility is the way that we get outside of time is when our time expires. Okay. So birth of death. We die. Now what time frame are we on? We're not on our time frame anymore. Right. So the minute that happens... We leave our time frame, and we now are back in God's time frame. This is what's so amazing yeah. about uh, the the whole Emmanuel. God, outside of time, puts on human body right, and steps right. into our timeline. Right. Why does he step into our timeline? To invite us into his timeline. Hmm. So, to be, like, think about in heaven. We sing the song, Amazing Grace. We have no less days to sing his praise. When we've been there 10,000 years, bright, shining as the sun. We have no less days to sing his praise than when we first begun. So how long you've been singing? Singing 10,000 years? A million years? Five billion years? There's just not, there's no time frame there. So what happens, I think, I think, I think, Jesus steps into our timeline. Now when he dies, he's outside of our timeline. When the thief on the cross dies, he's outside of our timeline. He yeah. is already into eternity future. Yeah. He's there because it's not a timeline anymore. He's, he's way out there in the future, right? He is already there. But we're not because we're still in this body. And so mm. relative to us, the thief is an eternity. There is no time limit on eternity. So when Jesus says to be absent from the body means to be present with the Lord. And the minute you die, guess where you are? Mm. In eternity. Do you have your body? Well, according to us, they, you don't because that hasn't happened yet. But, but, but the minute we get out of this, we're already in eternity. So it's already begun up there. So I don't... It, I think it's really confusing to us because yeah. we're still thinking of the next hundred years. Right, right. For the saints, they are in an infinite world where there is no end. So have they been waiting for a while? I guess if they're on our timeline, but I don't think they're on our timeline. And so to me, it just certainly seems like, and it's so confusing because it just seems like God steps out of a timeline into an eternal one the minute death happens. So when we die, we're absent from our body, which means we're in his eternal timeline. Now, there'll be a day where the dead in Christ will rise and we will 
we will get his body. And that, I don't believe, has happened yet. But it has happened because they're no longer on that timeline. So yeah. it's so confusing and go, that's why it's I hard think, to wrap your mind around. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so that's where, and I can remember this when I was really little, like, and I'm just messing it all up right there. I can't, um, uh, thanks for containing your laughter. Because, uh, oh, that's funny. Oh, I shouldn't say that. But yeah, it's true. I have no idea what you said, Josh. Right? I can remember laying in my bunk bed and crying like a, like a little baby. And like, I mean, I was like five or six because I just can't understand eternity, right? Okay. Like, it, we have numbers <laughs> that yeah. can represent it, little eight sideways, right? But can't. can't. Yeah. What's infinity divided by two? Still infinity? What? So is infinity divided by two greater than infinity times two? No, they're both infinity. What? There's no way. That's double and that's half. What? No. And so there's just some things that are just beyond our thing. And that's where I think we use human numbers and human time hmm. to try to describe something that's outside of human numbers and human time, which is why we get this language that gets confusing of dead in Christ will eventually rise and to be absent from the body present in the world. We're using infinity divided by two and infinity times two to describe the same thing by okay. using different stuff. So, so kind of, I want to jump back to towards the text, but still kind of talking about death. And I think you this kind is of live, just right. We can't just start this over. No, like, oh <laughs> no, we can't start this over. We're, we're live. Uh, so, kind of going back to the idea of death. One of the things that you said on Sunday, as you started, and I could have misheard it, but I'm pretty sure what you said was, "Death is a good explanation of God." Can you expound or yeah. explain what you mean yeah. by that a little bit more? Um, well, death is a good explanation for the reason for God, I think. And, okay. Uh, so what I mean by that is not just death, but the experience we have when we experience death, not our death, but other people, right? Like yeah. the fact that when death looms, what happens is we feel when someone dies, we feel real deep pain, like super deep pain. And when you feel that pain, if you have to go, well, why am I so sad about death? Or like when you go to a funeral, why are people really, really crying? Like, why is there so much sadness in, in death? And it's what I think is happening is I really do think it's our body telling us it's not supposed to be this way. Okay. So when we think about happy strife, happy life, the idea that strife allows us to at least consider in the pain, mm. ushering ourselves into the kingdom of God. Well, for us, what's the greatest strife? Death. Yeah. Uh, not even us. You, you and I can handle it. It's imagine our kids or our loved ones there. Or imagine leaving our kids and love like so much stuff there. And so you go, why is that so, so devastating? And it's because somewhere deep inside us, deep inside us, in our imago day, there is something that tells us this is not the way it's supposed to be, right? Otherwise, why would you cry? Why would you feel any emotion? It doesn't right, matter. Right. You're just, you know, it's just the end. No, deep inside us, there is a longing and a connection in our mind and soul that tells us this wasn't supposed to be temporal. It's supposed to be eternal so every time those tears roll on your face our face whether it's for death or pain or heartbreak whatever it is those tears are a literal physical embodiment of your body reminding yourself that this is not the way it's supposed to be so death just reminds us that we really do long for life yeah. right so every time we see that we're going that is not the way it's supposed to be i have a longing that is not fulfilled in this yeah. the reason being is the longing that you have is for life and life eternal. So if you have this longing, there'd be no reason for you to have the longing unless something can supply the longing, right? Like why in the world would we have all these longings to be satisfied if they're never going to be fulfilled? But right, we've come right. to the conclusion though, you just have longings because everybody's broken. Everybody has longings. That's not me fulfilled. Suck it up, buttercup, right? Because we have found this world that there's very few things that 
actually satisfy us or soothe us or save us, right? And so in all those things, that 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 moment of death just tells us, I long for something that I cannot ascertain mm. in this moment, which should challenge us to put our little antennae up and go, well, where does this come from? And in that moment, he goes, well, maybe this is how I was created. Because mm. you feel it, right? And if you're created, that means there was a creator. So death actually is a pretty nice little on-ramp to go, maybe I should start looking for that which satisfies this craving and longing and sadness that nothing else in this world has satisfied. So I think death is a giant red flashing light going, do you feel the pain of this? Divorce. Do you feel the pain of this? Then the reason this is so painful is because something inside you, hardwired in you, is telling you this is not how it's supposed to be. So how's it supposed to be? Yeah. Which would go, well, you're meant for life and life eternal and connecting to it. Well, where and who supplies that? Well, yeah. that's where we find God. Yeah, and I, I feel like that it's that's really the reason why we're going through this series, yeah. right? Like, so we're talking about pain. And yeah, because we want to avoid it, right? Like, we do right. all of our stuff right. to avoid it. It's like, ah, oh, no, 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 no. Don't yeah. just avoid it. Consider it. Yeah. Right? So, hmm. so it's it's tool as as we do go from here to yeah. there, yeah. right? So, uh, as we went walk through the first four weeks, and then as we, this is the second week that we did Happy Strife, Happy Life Plus. We're now talking about faith being the key that yeah. gets us from there to, or from here to there. I want yeah. to make sure that I say that correctly. And faith is, has feet. It always yeah. has feet, right? And so what's really gracious of Luke is he quotes Jesus, and then he shows those who apply what he just quoted Jesus on. Yeah. So, yeah. so gracious of him. So this is faith with its feet, which is the only way you can have faith. It, yeah. it is an action word, not a belief, but yeah. an action. And, and what's interesting is, so as we looked at the first week, faith, there's something kind of impressive about the faith of the centurion, yeah. right? Like yeah. here's somebody that's not a Jew that doesn't have to do kind of the things that he's done, but he still has faith. And he didn't maybe fully understand yeah. it or wasn't fully aware. But now we get to this story in verses, it's chapter seven, Luke seven verses uh, 11 through, I think it's 17. 17. Yeah. So we get now to this one where the, while the faith of the centurion was something that it's like, man, I can strive for that. I don't feel like this is really a faith that you go, oh, well, I need to do or be or I can try and do this better. It's just you look at it. So I, I guess part of the question becomes, I guess, where does faith come from? Yes, it's a really good question. And so here's the problem. Last one you go. Okay, let's imagine we're framing up faith and hanging on the wall. Yeah. We go, centurions in the picture frame, right? Which isn't really the purpose of faith. The purpose of our faith is not to frame us on the wall. Yeah. The purpose of faith is actually to frame Jesus as Savior on the wall, right? And so it's hard. It's easy for us to miss this because we celebrate the courageous and we should. Yeah, we right. Like, so we go all the way back to its moments in scripture where you see Abraham in faith go to the land God's going to show him. You see Joshua, you know, step into the flood raging seas with and lead the nation of Israel into right. the promised land. That's faith in action. And we go, that is so awesome. Right. We see Moses say, let my people go. Faith in action. And so one of the things that can get kind of misconstrued in all this is we really, really are focusing on heroes of our faith. I mean, you think about yeah. it. We literally have a... A whole verse on our whole chapter in Hebrews 11 about these folks right. who Heroes. never actually achieved all that they were supposed to. Guess why? Because the faith wasn't about them. It was always about the object of yeah. faith, not the faithful in us. Right. And so but so gracious. And I wish I had done a better job setting this up this week. Right. And but so gracious of this chapter is God takes the lens, the focus, the camera 
angle, right? Completely off humans. Yeah. And places it all on Jesus. There, right. this has, there is no object here that does the work to initiate this. This is, this kind of removes the idea that faith is a genie in a bottle. Yeah. You do the right things, pray the right things with the right motivation, and you do it. Nope. You just are in the right place, standing yeah. on the right rock. That is all faith. Because is. we literally, I mean, we know a few things. She was a widow and she had a son yeah, that so just died. That's he, literally all we know. So maybe we go, well, she probably prayed a prayer. She asked God for forgiveness. It's like, you can stretch that if you want to. Yeah. But Luke didn't seem to think, based on the Holy Spirit telling him to write it this way, right. that that was important. So you go, well, what in the world is and important And we've seen how detailed Luke can yeah. be in his writings. Like giving descriptions and like, here's the explanation of it when it's almost like, Okay, but it's it's because that was for a specific time where you could have probably talked to the people that Luke had talked to, like he thoroughly investigated it. And these details kind of give a level of reality that if those details weren't there, like you could just kind of make up a story, yeah. but the details, it's kind of showing that it was yeah, a real- Yeah, which is all the reason you should believe this stuff because you're just yeah. trying to create a religion to get people's money and get their devotion. This passage doesn't show up because guess yeah. what? It requires nothing of anyone. Right. That's right. So it's like, this isn't give us your money, sign up for the class, go to the thing, yeah. baptize the person, get baptized. Like, this is nothing. The whole focus is just on Jesus. So this kind of leads us to go, well, what does Luke and the Holy Spirit want us to learn about faith? Yeah. And this is what gets so complicated is you and I want to do something. And I just read some scriptures a couple weeks ago that says, whoever hears these words and puts it on action, it's like the wise man who built his house on the rock. Like, I want to do that. And there is none of that. And I'm going, yeah. none of the, there is. Let me show you the components. Faith is when Jesus does the work because you are facing him and giving him your attention and devotion. Mm-hmm. So the only thing we see here is we see two worlds, pain, suffering, sorrow, and God's kingdom collide yeah. and the reason those two things collide is all because jesus is the the one right there at the vertice of yeah. it i think that's what that is vertice i think so i know in opposite angles that they're equal in geometry <laughs> so the vertice there you go uh yeah i feel like this was a question that I, when i was in college i remember you know the my class being divided and it was like so where yeah. does faith come from like does god give you faith or can you increase faith and it was half and a half right yeah. and i don't remember what side i it's really not just that simple because the initial faith does come from God, but also we can increase in faith as yeah. we, as what you see the disciples even doing as they see Jesus more and they are part of his ministry. It's, it's this weird tension of going, the faith that I have is because God gave it to me. Yeah. So, I mean, it's so complicated and that, I, honestly, I didn't want to preach this message. Like okay. I got to and go, can I just combine it with the next one or combine it with the last one? Because there's just no like, aha, there we go. You know, like that stuff. <laughs> sing the good song and feel the, it's just like, what? You know, like I even was telling a buddy that texted me afterwards, go, thanks for bringing the word on that. And I'm like, well, that's very nice of you. Because I just felt like, it's like, well, it's not, the, okay. You know, like it just so confusing. And I was thinking, I was getting out of the car today, getting my soda. And I was thinking about when I taught high school math and uh, the Bible teacher was teaching on election. Okay. Right. And it's a very reform, very, you know deal and so he was explaining them to you know the, the kind of the idea of reform theology the five yeah. points and one of them is called uh, uh limited atonement meaning mm-hmm. jesus god limited those that he covered with atonement which they'd argue well if one of them is irresistible grace well if it's irresistible meaning you can't resist it how in the world would someone not receive it well it's yeah. because god limited it and i'm I was explaining to him 
I'm not there, right? Yeah, like, right. and I'm a Reformed theologian. Our church is built on Reformed principles as a Presbyterian church. And But what I was explaining to him, I kind of drew it out, is I believe in something called unlimited, unlimited limited atonement, right? And so this is the question I would pose. So if you imagine the Passover, right? In the, in the Passover, who did God provide coverage for? The Israelite who slaughtered, uh, slaughtered the blood of the, you know, right. the lamb put on the doorpost, right? right. 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 Provided coverage. And then I asked this question. Would he have provided it to the Egyptians as well? Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. What would they have had to have done? Obeyed. So it's unlimited, in my opinion. God offers salvation. Yeah. Atonement for, is unlimited. But then it's limited to those who obey. Yeah. And so I was like, that's how I kind of believe it. And so he goes back and tells the teacher who's a good buddy of mine. And the, the teacher's response was, well, that's a lot like having your cake and eating it too. And I was like... That's it. And that's what's so amazing about God. Yeah. He's the only one in the history of the world who can have his cake and eat it too. Yeah. Like he, he literally can. And so you go, is it me? Is it God? Whatever. I don't know. It seems like God is the object and the motivator of all it. There is a part we play in faith, yeah. but it is so nuanced and rich. Right. There's some things you go, this is why obedience over understanding, because yeah. I'm trying to right. explain how death and absent from the body works. And I just, I, I just took up 10 minutes of your time. For absolutely no good reason, right? Because we didn't, we can't fully understand it, right. and so it's kind of what we can understand is what Jesus's role is in faith. Even if we don't fully understand our role, we at least get a picture of what His role is, right. and we can say, well, what's our response right. to His role? And there's at least that in this. Yeah. So finally, when I got there, I go, okay, we, we're looking at Jesus's role in this, not ours, but we are seeing our response to the gift of faith that Jesus gives us, which is to open it. Yeah. But how do we open it? What does that look like? Yeah. So I think that was going to be helpful, and it'll be helpful today as we sort through it. Yeah, so I feel like I just want to kind of jump into this this story. So verse 11, so we see Jesus is going to this town. I think it's Nain. Is that how I say it? N-A-I-N. Yeah, Nain. Yeah, Nain. Uh, and his Man, I don't know why you're asking me. I have no idea, but I say it confidently. <laughs> so you're like, oh, it's Nain. Yeah, I believe it. You studied it, yeah. so sure. It's Kirk. Um, Not Kirk. <laughs> it's completely... Completely separate. Um, his disciples, great crowd with him. And I really liked what you did. And you talked about well, the comparison of yeah. the two groups, right? Because there is so much in scripture where there's a comparison. Uh, like you're comparing and contrasting these two different groups. So what we have is this one group who's excited. Like they're kind of following Jesus. There's an anticipation of what yeah. is to come, um, of what he's doing, the arrival of this new kingdom. And then the other side of that, verse 12, it says, As he drew near the gate of the town, behold, a man who had died was being carried out the only son of his mother and she was a widow and uh, and considerable crowd from the town was with her is there anything more that you wanted to talk about yeah so literally we're what we have here in contrast is life and death yeah so right. these guys have just seen life being injected into this servant right right, right. so we don't know if the centurions here we don't know if these hundreds of his followers there. we just know that there's a considerable crowd who decides to go on the journey with Jesus wherever he's going. Yeah. They've probably never ever went to Nain. The reality is they wouldn't have because there'd have been an easier way to go to Judea than to come all the way down and then get all the way to Nain and then have to go all the way around Samaria, right? Yeah. So this is probably not they would have gone more of the the the, the coastline down. It'd just yeah. been better, probably, right? So this is not a town that you ever, ever go to. Like you don't even arrive there. No wrestling tournament's gonna be in Nain. Like you're not gonna show up in this town. And so the fact that these folks Follow him means they are yeah. exceedingly exuberant. Yeah. Right. So all this stuff, they're so excited. And all of a sudden, they come over a funeral procession, right? Mm. And 
I mean, talking about just a mood killer. This is more than you have You have to pull over to the side and wait for the whole thing to get around you. Yeah. They are excited, and these people are wailing, right? What do you do when people wail like that? You don't keep your conversation. You don't laugh. You're not playing games yeah. anymore. Like, this would have completely crushed the mood. Right. I think. So you have everything that's offered, right? And so all these guys are so excited. About it. And then right in front of them is their, their face with the reality of death. Yeah. So, all of a sudden they go, "Ooh, yeah, I forgot about that." Well, what does this mean for that? He didn't. He he allowed this guy who was who was going to die. He he healed him. Like he injected this man yeah. of in him. Well, what does this look like? So you really do see two. Like you see kingdom of heaven, kingdom of earth, right there, and you see them yeah. collide in the doorway. So it's pretty neat to go. Oh, it's really gracious of you, God, to give us that kind of contrast. So we got to see the two crowds. Yeah. The crowd that is volunteering to show up. Full of joy in the crowd that's actually being paid to show up. Yeah, and you full of pain and you sorrow. talked about that a little bit. Like there, yeah. there was professional mourners. Yeah, that's a good gig. I'd do that. <laughs> Would you? I, Rip it off my shirt. I feel I'm like that would be pretty like emotionally challenging, right? Yeah. Like you just get tired. I don't so know. you don't know if they're as good at faking it or if they are like, you know, when you think about like actors or actresses, some of them have to go and like feel that pain. So right. they think of that moment right. or they're just... Regardless, these folks, yeah. So again, for the same reasons I mentioned on Sunday, so uh, one because you want to give the person with death dignity, and right. if that many people aren't that sad, you need some more people in there, right? right, right. That one. Uh, two, it helps those mourn because they have other people to mourn with them, so they don't feel silly crying. And yeah. three, some people just aren't capable of getting that in touch with their emotions. Yeah. So they were able to vicariously mourn through these other people. Yeah. So I think there's still you can look it up, but like. Um, it's not real common, but in Jewish culture, this is still a possibility. And really? literally, you wow. can. I was reading about it. I was reading it in the UK. Like, I was reading like at a, a funeral home. They basically said, you know, we don't typically like offer this, but if you ask for it, we can we wow. can make that available. Still to this day. Yep. Wow. So that's Google professional mourners. Yeah. Professional. I don't. I mean, that's a waste of time. It doesn't really matter. But if you want to, hey, it's interesting. Yeah. Like, so, so if you're interested in doing that, yeah, I want to guard. It. Like I like the trivia of it too, and it's so yeah. hard not to teach all the trivia because it's yeah. so fun. It's like, oh, let me tell you this mega. It's like, oh no, stay focused. Yeah. Which is one of my specialties. <laughs> uh, so as we continue going through that, what looks like, um, really, it looks like Jesus is is kind of unaware. Right. Like it looks like his statement is like, wow, Jesus, what are you doing? Like, so we get to it in verse 13. It says, and when the Lord saw her, he had compassion on her. And he said to her, now we see this like Luke is writing this so that we see and we understand that Jesus was doing this from compassion. But you kind of speculated on Sunday, like, does she know that? Yeah, absolutely. Like yeah. she just sees this man coming. Does she know who Jesus yeah, so is? So it's interesting like, is in the Greek. So in the English standard version, it says this, but like in the, the, like the common English standard version, it actually says Jesus noticed that she had a belly and asked if she was pregnant. <laughs> it doesn't actually say that in any other. Well, maybe the word on the street translation. <laughs> no, it's like, yeah. So whatever it is that, that generation. Yeah. So it's like, I mean, it's that kind of awkward. Like yeah, it's like, right. Oh, you don't ask that question. You don't say that thing. You don't tell a grown woman who's crying over her teenage son dying to quit crying, right? Yeah. Think about this. Have you ever, ever in the history, if you're married or, you know, whatever, had a had a meaningful moment where someone was crying and you said, oh, don't do that. <laughs> right? Like, so you, I wish I could just have camped out. It was so funny to go, no, we know it's with compassion. We got to get through the verses. But in that moment, like everybody, like, so you got the contrast. Lots of happiness, lots of sadness. Yeah. And they're all trying to go, what's he going to say? What's he going to do? And Jesus 
He didn't go, hey, guys, I have compassion. Watch this. Yeah, Which right. is what I would have done, right? <laughs> right. Like, I want he everybody literally. to know that my heart's in the right place. The first words out of his mouth in this moment. you got to know people were hanging on this going, what's he going to say? What's yeah, he going right, to do? Right, right. He tells her to stop crying. <laughs> so, anyway, it's like, did he? What? You know, so I was like, oh, I wish I could yeah. teach all that, but I don't have time. So, thanks for joining us for this. But, yeah. yeah I so, do I just feel like it's interesting because you're right. Yeah. It's got to be in my mind. It's like. Okay. You know, it's like a dance fight or whatever those where the circle Ooh, they circle you just up, got served. like and it's him so and Jesus. Jesus. Says, crap. <laughs> Ooh, you just got served. That's yeah. what I picture in my mind of what happens is that like a showdown in the. Center. I've never seen any of those. I think they're all PG thirteen or R rated movies. Like, uh, I don't know what movies. I've just seen them in real life. Just got served in real life. We got to see dance circles. You know what a dancer? Come on, Josh. Really? Anyway, um, kids, stay out of the middle of the dance floor. Okay. Uh, so as Jesus says that it. Verse 14, it continues. It says, uh, then he came up and he touched the beer and the, uh, which you said was just basically the cart. Yeah. So it's like a dolly with okay. a casket on it, but it's all metal. It's usually ornate or okay. whatever. But yeah, I mean, like you imagine it's, they're, they don't have a car. So yeah. they're pushing this thing a while on yeah. a dirt road. And it would so, have been outside of town, right? Like that was Jewish custom that they would bury outside of town. I have or? no idea. It okay. depends on Nain. I don't know where it is. I guess okay. so. Because yeah, Jewish custom is you don't get around dead things. Right. So right. the fact that Jesus is bringing all of his buddies to a dead person going, oh, what in the world's going on? Yeah. So yeah. Uh, so he, he touched uh, the beer and the bearers stood still and he said, young man, I say to you, arise. Okay, so let's see. Do not weep and tell the boy to wake up. Yeah. Like those are Seems really insensitive. Like, whoa, Jesus, hold on. Like, yeah. maybe we the should give him been, some room. The only even crazy if he'd been like, Gucci, Gucci, go. You know, like, what is he doing? Like, wake up, honey, get your shoes on, wear it. Grandma's yeah. like, what? So, yeah. I mean, it, it's really funny when you look at it that way and, and think about how yeah. socially inappropriate this right. whole thing is. Right. Yeah. However, verse 15 kind of changes everything, right? Yeah. Like, because it would have been a pretty bad story mm -hmm. if it ends there, right? Mm -hmm. Like, uh, and then Jesus was chased out of town. Yeah. Right. Like, but verse 15 says, and the dead man sat up and began to speak and Jesus gave him to his mother. Um, and there is a question about that. Maybe we'll just yeah, jump yeah. into that um, right now. The question is an from another one of our listeners. Thanks so much for asking that it says, could you help me understand Luke seven fifteen, which is what we just read, um, where it is said that Jesus gave the young man back to his mother. It almost sounds like the young man belonged to Jesus at some point. Therefore, Jesus gave him back to his mother when the young man came back to life. For example, if I lent my neighbor something, he would give it back when he was finished with it. To give something back, you have to have taken possession of it at some point, wouldn't you? Yeah, that's a really, really, really good question. I thought it was a great so, question. Um, I think we're almost there with your thoughts. And I think that what's, what we got to think about here is, again, the contrast. Yeah. We got life and death, right? So you can almost imagine this like a Red Rover game. Death has gotten a grip on yeah. this boy. And Jesus is about to go, pulling back into life. So, yep, gives him back. And so you go, or returns him. Means you had, he, someone, something had possession of him. Like you return an item of clothing. You had, you know, given it back to its original seller owner, right? And so, yes, I believe what that language implies that the boy, something, someone took possession or a hold of the boy, right? Mm. But I don't think it was Jesus. I think what we see here is actually more of that contrast. The boy just entered into what we're all afraid of, mm. death, right? And so mm. 
the kingdom of earth and swallowed that boy whole. Yeah. That's what it is, right? So this this kingdom that has a birth to death timeline, 70, 80 years, and just won the battle with this family. Yeah. Which is really, really scary and sad and should cause us to tremble some because that is actually what we're at war with. We are at war with death, right? Mm-hmm. That's why in a few weeks, six weeks, we will celebrate deeply the movement of Easter and resurrection mm-hmm. because Jesus is basically returning us all back to life, meaning mm-hmm. there is a death to death. So mm-hmm. this is revivification, not resurrection, right? The boy will die again, but he'll die with a different story and a different understanding and probably his faith in a different object, right? right? At this point, we go, we don't know what happened to this boy. We don't know why he died. But we can deduce that his faith wasn't in Christ because we don't know any of those things. Probably doesn't even, isn't even aware of any of this stuff. The murmurs are probably starting to make its way to right, me, right. but not a big part of this. And so in this moment, what you see is Jesus is literally waking him up and then um, giving him yeah. to his mother. And so um, my nephew, my oldest nephew, is um, adopted, which we love adoption in our family. Love it, love, love it. You know, obviously Sophie's adopted. I think it's a beautiful thing. Such a great picture of the gospel and what, what, when we become God's children, right? Mm-hmm. But one of the most deeply, almost disturbing things was when um, my nephew was adopted by his, 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 you know, adoptive father, my sister's husband. Um, he was, I don't know, elementary school, six, okay. seven, maybe four or five. I don't remember exactly. But they had to go to a courthouse, and the biological father and the adoptive father were both there. And the biological father had to stand before a judge, sign all the stuff. And the judge actually said, I need you to pick him up, and I need you to carry him across the courtroom hmm. to his adoptive father. Okay. Literally, wow. like, I can't imagine this going, yeah, you've wow. got to understand what you're doing here, which yeah. seems so broken and messed up. But he literally picked him up and had to hand him wow. to his new father, like, so when I when I was reading this, I wanted to talk about it. Didn't make time for it. It's kind of that picture. Like literally, yeah. he has taken him from yeah. the earthly, broken kingdom and father, yeah. picking him up out of death and returning him to his rightful place with his mother yeah. as a picture of what's going to be for eternity. Now, the greatest gift isn't this kid got to be with his mom and the mom got to be with her kid. The greatest gift is they both got to place their faith in Jesus and right. they are probably still together. But their attention is not on each other. Right, right. Their attention is fixed on Jesus, right? And so when we see the give gave back, what what we're seeing here really is a return to what's going to be for all of us. So when we think yeah. about miracles all the time, this isn't that Jesus just interrupts the natural world. He has given us a glimpse to what his natural world was supposed yeah, to look yeah. like. So gave him her back, gave him back his gun. This is why we cry when people die, because it's not supposed to be this way. These relationships are not temporary. Yeah, right. That's why the greatest thing in the kingdom for me, the only thing, like the only goal that I have in life is I want to see my great, great, or my great grandchild lead my great, great grandchild to Christ, mm-hmm. right? To have this movement go that far to go, this will be eternal, right? And yeah. so that's what you see here is the reestablishment of that. Yeah. Great question. And, yeah. and I'm glad you brought that up because that I did want to talk about it. Yeah. And I feel like you just did. But every miracle that we see is God giving a glimpse of what the kingdom of heaven looks like. Yeah, so Christian said it pretty neat uh, a couple weeks ago on our, our staff going, it's a window into the kingdom of heaven. Yeah. That's right. really, really beautiful. Now, I think luckily we get to get more of our body in it. But at first glance, the miracle is just a window in the yeah. way that things 
are going to be, which is so nice because it now explains the longings that we have. Yeah. It explains her longing because, of course, she wants to be with her son forever. Right. I want to be with my children forever, right? right? As adults. And right. that's what the kingdom offers. So. Right. And so continuing on with this. So 15, dead man sat up, began to speak, and Jesus gave him to his mother. 16, great fear seized them all, and they glorified God, saying, a great prophet has arisen among us. And God has visited his people. You had said that visited there means chosen and inspected or selected his people. Yeah, so this is even that uh, yeah. limited atonement. Like yeah. God's going, you're my people. Like yeah. this is really, really important because to be visited here in this sense, or inspected or chosen, means the one doing the verb is the one who initiates the whole thing. Yeah, right. right? So this is not, oh, Jesus stumbled on it. Yeah. Oh, whatever. Like right. this was an intentional. very intentional that mm-hmm. Jesus and his followers went to name for the benefit of everyone so that he could select this lady, yeah. love her son back to life, and then reestablish what should and could be. So they see yeah. it. Now, that's why I think it's really interesting that the, the response is a great prophet has arisen among us. Yeah. It's like, oh, yep, see, there it is. They still don't have a real picture. Of this. Right, right. Their understanding isn't perfect of faith. They don't yeah. understand. He's a lot more than a prophet. We still get that wrong. Lots of, like, uh, Islam... Mormonism, some of them, in that kind of a weird sense, think of Jesus as a prophet, not as right, a Messiah. Right. And so they see that. But I think that God has visited his people is really, really beautiful because that is the picture of what God came to do. He actually stepped into the timeline, met them at the collision to give them a picture of the way that things should, could, and will one day be. Yeah. And so finishing just the last verse, it says, uh, and this report about him spread throughout the whole, uh, all of Judah, Judea and the surrounding country. So this report spreads, and you had pointed out that it, they weren't in that they area. Were in they were in Galilee. Yeah, they're right. a day's journey or more away from right. Judea. So, yeah. so word, so this far-reaching t- town, kind of the outskirts of where anybody would visit, like because again, if they were going, they would go around some area. So yeah. far off town, Jesus looks like he intentionally travels there for this. Yeah. And then in my mind, he just goes back. Yeah. Like, okay, done. Yeah. So that's what's interesting is is going well. Who is this for? Was yeah. it for the mom, the boy? Was it for his followers? Was it for the professional mourners? According to this, if you just read that, it's going, is, it, this, is this how he starts a movement to get it going? Like, yeah. was it to help initiate this conversation? And the answer is yes. Right. It's always all those things. And that's what's so nuanced about this. Jesus is selecting us individually, caring yeah. about us personally, intervening in our lives right now, and still creating yeah. and implementing and being sovereign over a plan for all of the kingdom for all eternity. And it's like, I, it's so hard for us to kind of understand all that, but we see all this at play. Like Jesus is doing so much stuff here. And just yeah. one of the small things he does is brings a dead guy back to life. Yeah, right. So the, I feel like the last thing that I had was just kind of the, the 10 steps to living into the kingdom yeah. of heaven. Um, and I'm just going to read them quickly. And then yeah. if you have anything yeah. you want to share with that. Um, one, it all starts with Jesus. It's all about him. Yeah. Uh, two, Jesus has compassion. We see that through this yeah. story. Three, Jesus goes to those in pain. For the goal is that we don't have to weep. Like that's what he's he's going for. It's, he doesn't have to, this woman doesn't have to weep. And he kind of pointed out, um, again, that, like his first sentence, do not weep. It's like, wow, that's, yeah. but that was what his goal was, is that she wouldn't have to. Five, acknowledge that you can't fix your problem. Um, it's not based on your performance. Um, six, wake up, arise. Don't live in that death or that sleep. Uh, seven, receive his gifts. Um, eight, acknowledge your unworthiness. Nine, respond in worship. And ten, 
tell others about him. And I just kind of quickly went through that. Yeah. Obviously, if you haven't listened to the message, I would encourage you to listen to that. Good job. And, yep. and you can kind of hear that recap for you. Yeah, so think about those. The first four have nothing to do with us, right? Yeah. Starts yeah. with Jesus. The only part we have in it is we are the uh, recipients of the pain and sorrow. Yeah. that he does. So, yep, starts with them. The reason it starts with them is out of deep compassion is what it tells us yeah. to, right? So it's for us. Starts with us. He came here to select us, right? To to reach out to us. God has visited his people. So that one's not us. Compassion is not us. Uh, the the third one, which is the the pain, that mm-hmm. is not something we maybe we've created it, but that's just an an awareness of where we are. The fourth one really is we get a picture of what he wants for us. He yeah. tells that lady to stop weeping, yeah. right? And that's that's really what he wants. And it yeah. seems so foreign, but he says there will be a day. He tells his little buddy John that tells him. There will be a day where there is no more tears, no more pain, and no more sorrow, mm-hmm. right? That means everything sad will become untrue. Mm-hmm. That, that's actually what it says on Jesus' story book Bible. Such a good statement. But mm-hmm. everything sad will become untrue. And so those first four things, they're all about Jesus, right? So we do nothing in that. Nothing. It's his intentionality. It's his going or his coming, right? And it's his compassion, right? We are just starting to understand the state that we're in. And finally, number five, that's where it gets us. We go, that's where the happy strife, happy life kind of starts off is going, I can't get myself out of this situation. Right. Maybe right. you didn't get yourself in it. Probably you did. But you definitely can't get yourself out of it, which right. means either there's no hope and our life's going to be filled with tears, pain, and sorrow. And boy, are we seeing that all around our world. Yeah. Or if there is hope, it has to be because something greater than us who wants to supply these longings we have has to do it. So the first step in faith is finally coming to the conclusion that none of the other stuff in the kingdom of earth has worked out for you. Mm-hmm. So that is kind of our response to it. It's just finally like, it's just awareness of coming to the conclusion. And the problem with that is it tells, it requires us not to be prideful. Mm-hmm. It requires us not to think that we can fix it. And you'll get there yeah. one day. And this lady got there because she could not bring a dead person back to life. Yeah. And so it's just that conclusion that the first, first step in this is, Nothing other than understanding the real state of where she is. And so that'd be where I challenge you on this. Please don't live there, but could you actually make an assessment of the current state of your life and your eternal plans and then figure out what role you have in them, Hmm. which you can't get yourself there, right? And then finally, once you get there, then it's, what do you do? Well, you wake up. You start seeing the world different, right? You get up and you view this world in the way that God has viewed it. You view people the way that God views them. You view the kingdom of heaven. Right? And then you see the kingdom of earth through that lens. And so that one, then this, you know, then you just receive it, right? So still none of this is you actually doing anything. It's all being the recipient of. That's all opening the gift. I can't earn it. All that kind of stuff. Just receiving it. Get up. Open the gift. Receive it. And then our first response is actually just to worship him. Right? So you worship. You worship. You acknowledge that God is good. And even if this moment's not good, eternity will be. And that God is seeing all things and working all things. And, and we know this experientially. Some of the worst things in our life in the past are some of the things we're most grateful for. Like I think of painful relationships that led me to my wife and three kids. Went and traded it all. Right? And we know that. And so we worship. Even when we can't see it, God is still working. And then the last one is, as a result of that, we can't help. But speak of this and tell others about Jesus. So I think when you look at these, and that's what I was like, well, this is why it seems too simple. Because here's the 10 things. Yeah. I don't know, like the big, you know, like poem or emotional story. But that just seems to be 
based on the scripture. I think this is what Jesus wants us to know yeah. about him and therefore about us. Yeah. But I, I feel like for me, I, I feel like I'm always challenged by the simple, right? Like it's it's just reminding myself that it's not all of these complicated steps yeah. that I want to think or I want to do or I've got to do. Or It's just being reminded of that. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know. I think of that expression, preaching to the choir. I feel like if I'm in the choir, What's I need to choir? be preached to. Do they have those in churches? They they used to a long time ago, a long time ago. So I can remember. I'm just joking. I can see my mama sitting in the choir going, you know. Did she do? Me. She have to do that a lot. Like you better yeah. behave. Yeah. Well, one time we were playing Bible football, and there's a little football, and we're flicking on the Bible during the sermon. And I can remember the pastor. I was fighting fourth, fifth grade, going, "Boys on the back row, we need to worship." Okay. I was really confused because I thought worship was singing, and here's the middle of the sermon. But I remember looking up, and I could see my mama up there, and she was. <laughs> She was using a lot of words through her her <laughs> first lips. Yeah. Well, uh, th- did yeah. you have anything else that you wanted to add from this week? I feel like that's the end of my notes. But anything else that you wanted to share in closing? Yeah. I, one of the hesitancies is okay. Well, if, if faith is feet, what do I do here? Right. Mm-hmm. Like, so what do I do? And what I would challenge is okay. Let's. Remember, Jesus initiates it, but let's think about what happened as he initiated it. And what was happening? And this is where I'd say, ah, oh, could you please, please, please be on the lookout for this. Where this begins, where faith begins, is when all of a sudden the kingdom of heaven intersects with the kingdom of earth. Right? right? There is some kind of intersection. This is what I'll tell you a lot. is that I believe when our faith in Jesus and his faithfulness collide or intersect, throughout the scriptures, miracles or supernatural things happen. Right? And so... If you're going, well, I don't know what to do here. I don't know what to do here. I would just say, could this week be a week where you are just looking for the intersection of those things? Look for where you see glimpses of the kingdom of heaven. Look for where you see joy. Look for where you see peace. And then lean into that. And ask God to multiply that and make that more real for you, real for your family, real on all those things. Like, okay, when where do I find the kingdom of heaven at work? The way that Henry Blackaby says it. He says, you want an experience of God. He said, you really want to experience God? Figure out where God's at work. And get right in the middle of it and get involved, right? And so that's just what I challenge you in all this is if you really want to live in the kingdom of God, look at where the kingdom of God is at work in your yeah. life, in your family, in your church, right? And and lean in fully. Kingdom of God, is it at work on our worship team? Then lean in and help be a part of that. Even yeah. if you can't sing, help with the audio video. If you see it at work, which it is, by the way, in our student ministry, lean in and get in the middle yeah. of it. See the work in our children's ministry, lean in. If you see it in our coffee shop, lean in. See it with... You know, whatever those things are, see it in the strategic partners out in the community. Look to see where God is at work and then bring yourself to where that collision is. And so it certainly seems that God is doing some really neat things. And in this moment, the kingdom of earth was pain and sorrowful. And all of a sudden, the kingdom of heaven showed up. And all she did was turn her attention there yeah. and receive the benefits and the, the kingdom and all that. So yeah. uh, look for the kingdom of heaven on earth and lean in and participate with it. Well, thank you so much for joining us this week. We really hope that you're challenged and encouraged um, by our our discussion that we do every week. Um, Just a reminder, if you want to submit any questions, you can email us at overtime at clcfamily.church or you're welcome to text us 610-869-2140. We'd love to hear from you if you have any questions that are related to the message or even if it's just a random question that you've been thinking about. We'd love to be able to open that up. we love when you, the viewers, kind of listeners, are able to help us produce that, if you will. I did the air quotation marks. What are those things for exactly? Air quotation marks. Uh, You probably should. I'm glad you told people because some people listen to it on on podcasts. That's true. So if you just heard. We'll start start sharing every single different movement we have. (laughs) 
we'll, I just we'll script at the in. camera and I'll look back at Ben. Yeah. So, so thanks for joining us. We hope you have a great week and we hope to see you next week or over the weekend service.